Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Welcome to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today we're recording from Cape Town, um, home of the Endeavour Conference, which starts tomorrow. Um, Today I'm joined by Lance Hooper, President of Cobalt Blockchain who are operating in the, the DRC. Um, also joined by his father, Peter, who's the CEO, and Eve, who's the DCR Managing Director. This podcast is different to the ones that I've been, uh, you've been listening to, as I'm going to be doing a series of podcasts around company and project pitches, where companies can promote themselves or even their projects to possibly generate funds, investment or awareness to the wider mining community. So appreciate you taking the time to conduct this uh, podcast um, at your residence. Very nice place as well. Um, right, that's, so let's kick this off explaining what Cobalt Blockchain is all about. Um, so can give us a brief background about yourself and then tell us about the company um, and then I have a few questions to ask you afterwards. Perfect. Th- thank you very much for having us, Rob. Um, so yeah, we're Cobalt Blockchain. We're listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol COBC. Uh, We've been working in the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, for the last 12 years, initially with a 2 million ounce gold discovery that Peter spearheaded. And really over the last four, four and a half years, uh, we've been in the business of commodity trading. Uh, The commodities that we've had experience with uh, for almost four years has been tin, tantalum, tungsten, the three T's, a highly regulated space. Uh, These are minerals that were previously part of the conflict in the DRC and as such, uh, through some legislation in the US, the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, out of that came some framework from the OECD uh, due diligence, really how you can source minerals ethically. So there's a whole protocol in place around um, tracing minerals from uh, artisanal mine sites, which represents today 100% of tin tantalum tungsten production in the Congo. Um, but yeah, as a result of our experience um, really sourcing uh, these commodities from the upstream, from directly from mine sites, uh, packaging them, exporting them to the international market, we saw an opportunity a year ago. Uh, uh, we vended in our DRC subsidiary into a TSX-listed company. We changed the name to Cobalt Blockchain, and we've spent the last year really putting the pieces in place to, to start producing um, not low grade, but a, a, a nice intermediary cobalt uh, a product called cobalt hydroxide, uh, which is used. Uh, it's an intermediary product that's turned into ultimately a battery cathode. So we saw, as the market did, uh, DRC currently represents about 70% of the world's supply of cobalt. About 15% of, of that world supply comes from artisanal small scale mine sites. So we, we set our skill set, our knowledge of the DRC. It's a great fit. So we've spent the last year really putting together a project where we've, um, number one, sorted out uh, a supply agreement with a very large mining cooperative. We've signed a joint venture with a, a large metal trading house called Traxxas. 
And that's number one for an offtake agreement, but they also have a, a plant that's been sitting idle for almost four years uh, in Lubumbashi. So we have a, an agreement to turn that plant on. Uh, it's going to take about four million or two and a half million dollars, four to six months. So that's something that we aim to put into production this year. And in parallel, we are going to be one of, if not the first group, uh, demonstrating uh, the idea of uh, putting in a technology platform to give the downstream consumers of cobalt, largely the tech companies and the auto companies, comfort that the minerals they're procuring are sourced ethically. And what that means in the context of the OECD framework is there are no children working on the mine sites, there are no armed groups benefiting, uh, there's some basic work workplace health and safety environmental practices going on. Ultimately, there's visibility into where this uh, this commodity is being produced. So that's re really what we have. We're, we're fully licensed, uh, not only for tin, tantal and tungsten, but uh, this past year in 2018, we're now licensed for copper and cobalt. So beyond cobalt, we certainly have ambitions to uh, make our the other sides of our business, other com commodities larger. And on the mineral traceability standpoint, we, uh, we've had interest uh, from other operators in the DRC. And then beyond that, some other African countries that are looking to uh, really the idea of mineral provenance and, and what, what our platform can deliver uh, for, for other countries, other commodities. So in a, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing. On the financing side, uh, we're currently doing a small equity raise. Uh, we've also uh, recently um, set up a, a trade finance facility with a big Pan-African bank called United Bank uh, for Africa, UBA. Um, it's initially a $10 million credit facility, so beyond the equity, there, there's a, a trade finance facility in place. So the objective this year is to turn on our cobalt hydroxide plant and start to bring the, the first ethically sourced cobalt to the market. Okay. Uh, Peter or Eve, would you like to add anything to that? Peter Hooper speaking here. The, the traceability in tin, tantalum and tungsten is mandatory, it's, re, it's a requirement, it's not required in cobalt. We foresaw that the users of the, the BMWs, the Volkswagens, the Apples will require it. It'll be, it'll be a requirement. So we've decided to put the same system in to uh, cobalt and copper with a added benefit of using Cobalt blockchain as the data handling system. We think it's a far better system and it's far safer. So from that point of view, it's a, I think we're leading the pack on the, the traceability side of things. Okay. Uh, I've got some uh, obviously questions. Um, first of all, Cobalt, why that commodity? So cobalt, uh, it's one of the most supply-constrained minerals on the planet. As, as I mentioned, 70% of it comes from the, the DRC. It's a mineral that's often a byproduct. In fact, it is a byproduct of either nickel or copper mines. So uh, before the uh, electric vehicle re re revolution hit us, cobalt was not considered a, a super attractive commodity. It was plenty of supply, but when we look out, um, it's really the, the main driver is electric vehicles, uh, trucks, buses. And as you look uh, really uh, as uh, the big driver uh, for adoption of, of electric vehicles is government regulation. And you've got a number of European countries that have mandated by 2030, 2040, it's uh, no longer gonna be possible to buy a, a combustion engine. It's gonna be an electric vehicle. 
you've had China leading the, the way. Uh, they've mainly due to the, the pollution. You've probably seen photos or videos of yeah. Beijing on a smoggy day. Uh, China's uh, uh, leading the pack in terms of countries that are mandating the adoption of electric vehicles. But yeah, I think there's been a short-term oversupply out of the Congo. Um, the artisanal sector in particular has been very responsive to the short-term supply deficit. But um, as a project, really five, five uh, ten year, years out, this is a, a commodity um, that you're really going to need to look at the Congo. And it's been a challenge. Many, many companies, even a year ago, said we, we don't want to touch a product out of the Congo. The uncertainty of uh, where it comes from and if uh, children in particular are working on these mine sites. Amnesty International came out with a couple of reports that were highly critical of the consumers of cobalt, uh, ma mainly the tech and auto companies, basically saying you guys have no visibility into your supply chain. But I, I think, yeah, the Congo represents... Um, the country that, that holds the, the lion's share of the reserves and will continue to be the main producer uh, of, of cobalt. And I think it's, Congo is such a large country, um, it often gets painted with one, one brush. We're talking about the south between really Lubumbashi and Kowesi to the west. Um, this is a, a place that, unlike many other spots in the Congo, it's got decent infrastructure, the telecom is good. Uh, the power is there. It, there are large mines down there, so they need more. But in terms of uh, where it's situated in the DRC, um, it's not like the northeast of the country where, where Peter started. It, it's, uh, it sees much more stability and um, infrastructure than, than many spots in the Congo. So it's actually a great, great spot to be working in. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the DRC recently had elections. Um, can you talk about a bit about the uh, geopolitics of the country and any risks uh, for your project? For sure. I, I'm going to pass this to Eve, who's yep. a native of Kinshasa in a, a minute. But yeah, just uh, fundamentally, having worked there for the last 12 years, there has been slow and incremental progress. Uh, we've seen a historic few weeks here where there's been a peaceful transfer of power. There, there have been elections. There's been an outcome that's been recognized by uh, Europe by the African Union, by many other stakeholders that are in the DRC. So uh, first and foremost, I think that that's, that's a great thing. DRC has also, um, a few years ago, joined OHADA, which is a group of 17 uh, French-speaking African countries. So when it comes to, to the law and uh, having um, the ability to arbitrate any disputes outside of DRC, so there, there's been absolutely some progress. There, there needs to be more, more development, more progress, but I think we're, uh, we've never felt better about working in the DRC. And I think the, what we've seen in the last year, just the uh, direct foreign investment, particularly in the, the mining space and the copper cobalt belt, uh, there's certainly much more activity than there, there has been for, for years. And I think it's an attractive African country to, to be working in. It's, it's young, there, there's, uh, there are many young entrepreneurs uh, there's been some reform with the mining code uh, and a lot of international criticism uh, about these changes, but ultimately it's a mining code that's been updated. It was, um, it's been almost 18 years in the making to update the code and the requisite um, uh, mining taxes, really to, to make it more in line with other African countries. But there's been a, a bit of a negative spotlight there. But it's when we look at our financial model, it's it's doable. But yeah, it's it's a great country to be in. And Eve, as a native, maybe you can comment about the no. the, the uh, situation and what what we see for 2019, 2020. 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, as being a, Cong a Congolese native, I think that uh, it's the first peaceful uh, transition of power. And for me, um, it was emotional because uh, if you look at the, the past uh, 50 years, there has never been a, a, transi a tra peaceful transition of power. And I think for 2019, uh, change is coming. Uh, politically, people were not expecting um, Kabila to step out uh, and expecting the opposition to win. So. I think um, it's going to be a, a very positive year. So we're looking forward to the first 100 days of the presidents. And uh, uh, when you look at the outlook for 2019, I think it's going to be very positive polit politically. Yeah. Um, why is mineral traceability of cobalt from the DRC important? So as I referenced, there, there's been a lot of international scrutiny uh, around cobalt and the uncertainty of there are large mine sites, you've got very large operators, but you also have a, a number in the DRC alone, there are about 2 million artisanal miners across all commodities, uh, tin, tantalum, tungsten, gold, diamonds, copper, cobalt, and uh, tin, tantalum, tungsten have a protocol to, to monitor on an ongoing basis these mine sites and uh, give, give the international community some comfort that they're no kids, there are no armed groups benefiting, there are no government actors uh, imposing legal taxes, etc. But yeah, I think the, the importance of cobalt in a, a clean energy economy, uh, it's in, imperative that, that there's traceability. Uh, and I think uh, the incumbent system for the three T's uh, is still a paper-based uh, system. Uh, our um, move to a, a more trusted platform, which is blockchain. It's ultimately a distributed ledger where it's, uh, the data is more immutable, which means it's, it's much more, you can't change it. It's a historic log that's, that's unchangeable. And when you have, uh, when you look at um, commodity trading and supply chains, where you've got many actors from mine site to market, uh, what we're doing with, with blockchain is um, it's interesting. And you know, having preached uh, what we're doing for more than a year now, we're seeing uh, large companies uh, in the last, at the auto show in Detroit a few weeks ago, IBM partnering with large auto automakers, uh, Ford, et cetera, um, BMW, they're all, uh, they all recognize that blockchain has the ability to, to do that, to, to provide mineral provenance and, and ultimately visibility into the supply chain. We, we uh, our value point is, uh, we actually, you know, we've been asked, is this a competitive threat to what you're doing? Absolutely not. We're well-versed in um, the upstream side of the supply chain, the actual tagging, tracing, chain of custody, using technology, uh, barcode scanners through the GPS, um, GPS systems. So we've got... Uh, full visibility from mine site to our regional export depot and ultimately out to the, the exit points, whether it's uh, Bayra, Mozambique or Dar es Salaam or Durban, South Africa. So it's a platform that you're seeing um, of all the uses of blockchain. We, we think um, we're seeing mineral supply chains, food supply chains as really early places to demonstrate the value of this technology. Okay. Um, can you elaborate on your joint venture with Traxxas um, and when you expect to be in production? Yeah, so Traxxas, they're, they're a great partner of ours. We've been, uh, uh, our offtake agreement for the for TIN is with Traxxas, so we've been working with them for a number of years. Um, Traxxas 
inherited a, a cobalt hydroxide plant in Lubumbashi. Uh, so this is a, a process plant where we can take uh, feed material from an artisanal mine and turn it into cobalt hydroxide, which is a, a nice intermediary product, high value cobalt product. And our agreement is uh, twofold. One is to operate, it's a 10 year um, agreement to operate the plant and they will uh, buy every every pound of cobalt the, uh, cobalt hydroxide that we can sell out of the back of it. It's a plant that is 95% ready. It's never been turned on and that, that's our goal over the next uh, really six months is to commission the plant and start bringing uh, ethically sourced cobalt to the market. Um, where is the feed material for the plant coming from? Um, and what is your plan to ensure certainty of supply? It's a great question. So that, that's because we're initially working with artisanal mine sites. These are typically projects that don't have, um, in a traditional scenario, you're, you're working with a, a project that's seen a lot of exploration and drilling and definition of a resource. Uh, but we're working with artisanal miners that really um, focus on the high-grade near-surface mineralization we're working with uh, the largest mining cooperative in Lualaba province, which is around Kowesi, which is the epicenter of cobalt uh, production on the planet. So we have a, a supply agreement uh, that matches exactly the requirement for the, the plant in, in Lubumbashi. Uh, we'll be receiving uh, 3 to 4% um, upgraded material. So this is um, hand-sorted material. Um, the artisanal miners are able to produce between 1% and 20% cobalt, but on, on average, 3-4%, which is a good match. Beyond that, we have joint ventures. Uh, so th this is we have certainty of supply for the next 3 to 5 years on a couple of mine sites that, that we're partnered on. Uh, beyond that, we're certainly looking at uh, joint venture projects that we look to, to the more traditional route that Peter's uh, well-versed in, which is... Uh, dedicating uh, time and money to defining a resource and really looking at ones that can be turned on fairly quickly, i.e. The, the ones that, that are high-grade near surface, and that's a combination. We've looked at uh, tailings projects, stockpile projects, which is material that's sitting on the surface, there's no mining cost, uh, through to uh, projects that, that are going to require an open pit initially. So I'm not sure, Peter, if you'd like to add to that, but I think that certainty of supply, uh, DRC, there, there's certainly lots of material, many untapped projects, and beyond the mining co-ops, we, we certainly uh, do, do want to uh, look at some mechanized operations to yeah. supplement what we're doing. The one fact not to forget is that the cobalt grade in the Congo are so much higher than the rest of the world. They, uh, we've seen uh, artisanal uh, sites where they're pulling out 20% cobalt. This is unheard of. The other thing not to forget is that most of the world's cobalt is associated with copper. It's a byproduct of copper. We've found uh, properties in around Kolwezi where they're just mining cobalt, co pure cobalt. Uh, it's a very, very different scenario to look at and much, much higher grade. Um, so that's why we're there. And apart from the, the existing artisanal ones, we're going and we have... We looked at 75 properties initially this time last year, and we've chosen two of them to joint venture. And we'll go the traditional route of doing proper ground studies and then eventually drilling and coming up with a resource. And this will be the eventual feed in three to five years' time. Okay.
What are the um, some of the short-term catalysts for your stock in 2019? So number one, I think it's the commissioning of the cobalt hydroxide plant. I think uh, we have a uh, we've. Uh, we're working with a, a, an engineering firm out of uh, Johannesburg called MinexCon. They've been to site. They've produced an initial report for us, which is really time and cost to get it commissioned. So we'll be working closely with them over the next six months. And uh, between that, then and now, there's certainly some metallurgical test work. Uh, there's also, as Peter mentioned, our joint venture properties. We'll be looking to put out the initial 43101 technical reports that give a high-level uh, stroke on what these are and the recommendations for the exploration plan. I think on the traceability side, uh, in parallel to commissioning the plant, we'll be piloting our, our platform and really doing that test work on uh, taking our system and implementing it uh, at, at, the, at the initial artisanal mine site. And that's a combination of um, putting in the physical security, uh, provisioning for the artisanal miner. So each miner receives a, a an ID tag, a barcode, um, there's strict access control to the site, and then really all the systems that, that are required. Every sack of materials has a barcode on it. There's a whole protocol as it moves from mine site to our depot at the mine site, and then movement by truck to Lubumbashi. So implementing the traceability system, I think later in the year we'd like to bring on some other operators and We've had early discussions with a few other African countries that look at what we're doing as really a, a nice audit system that could be very beneficial from a country level um, to not not only for one mine site but for the for all mine sites and the, the main driver for them is uh, really better uh, insight into production and uh, taxation collection of the appropriate taxation because many minerals gemstones slide across borders untaxed. And also from the regulatory standpoint is having better insight. For example, uh, Ghana has a lot of artisanal gold production, knowing uh, that they're moving away from mercury to, to uh, amalgamation of, of gold using mercury. So there, there are uh, better outcomes for communities in the environment by having better visibility into, into production. Okay. Um, and lastly, um, obviously we're in South Africa and Cape Town for the Indaba conference. Um, what are you looking to achieve from the from the conference? That's a great question. This, it's a long way to come. It's uh, uh, we were based out of Toronto. We spent a lot of time in the DRC, but yeah, we're here in Cape Town. Um, we have many of our business partners are here. We have uh, geo consulting firms, engineering firms that we're working with. So from a supplier standpoint. There's certainly many uh, investors that, that we're talking to. Uh, we have a small financing. Uh, we've just closed the initial tranche. So the idea is to, to meet with a few other folks that can round out the, uh, the equity investment that we're looking for in the short term. And uh, there's a whole bunch of networking. We're, um, I'm speaking um, uh, at two, two events at the Mining in Daba. And um, our bankers are here, uh, the, the folks that we work with in the Congo uh, between Trust Merchant Bank and, and our trade finance partner. Um, so yeah, it's a great collection. It's really the, the main mining conference for African projects. Uh, we, we've got one next month in Toronto, the PAC, which is the global one, but this is, this is really the, the conference to be at uh, from a supplier and an investment standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Really appreciate your time, Lance, Peter and Eve, um, discussing uh, 
Pobble blockchain um, and what you're looking to achieve and hope hope you enjoy the uh, Endeavour conference. Um, if our audience wants to contact you, um, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, feel free to, to give me a call or drop me an email personally. Um, Lance at cobc.co, the website, if you'd like more information on the company and our presentation, uh, www.cobc.co. And are you on any social media? Yeah, platforms? we're we're all on on LinkedIn. Um, I know Eve's the most active on uh, Instagram, and uh, but yeah, we have a, a small presence on on Twitter and, and Instagram as well. Okay. Um, alternatively, if you want to contact me, you can do via email, which is Rob at mining-international.org. Um, well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the new style of podcast. Um, we will continue with the other style of podcast. Um, that you've been obviously listening to uh, but these company project pitches will be um, going live um, in the next month or two um, and they will be uh, in the weeks that the other type of podcast isn't going to be going so there'll be alternatively alternative weeks doing um, the company profile project pitches and obviously uh, the guest speakers um, so if you understand where I'm coming from um, so well, until next time happy mining Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.